Hey Northview, it's Lexi. Thank you for joining us for episode three of In Good Company. Today we will be discussing one of your questions regarding when it's okay to disobey the government. Now let's hear from our pastors Josh, Jesse, and Greg. Thanks so much for joining us again. We're glad you're here for our third episode of In Good Company. Uh, we've really enjoyed these conversations and we've actually enjoyed how you guys have joined us in the conversation. Since before our first episode came out, you guys have been sending us emails of questions and ideas, things you want us to talk about because you because you want to talk about them too. So we're excited this episode to have a conversation around uh, a few emails that we've had around the same subject. Hmm. Uh, and it's important because I've been having these conversations with friends, with family, even among staff. This has been a pretty important conversation right now in, in the time that we're in. So I want to, Lexi, if you could pull up this email. For those of you who don't know, Lexi is on set. She's our producer. She's going to pull up an email. So this was sent in to us by Debbie. Debbie writes this, hi, thanks for the work you, you are all doing in finding new ways of reaching out to communicate with us all during this time. Really appreciated. We just left that in there because uh, we appreciate that you appreciated that. And that Thank was you. nice. Thanks, Debbie. I have a few questions. This one you can blame on Pastor Mark, this last Sunday service. Yeah. So... When is it okay to disobey the government, especially when considering the millions of innocent babies being killed each year, mm. assisted suicides, etc.? Do we just stand silently by and allow it to happen? It's a pretty big question. So I, I, actually, I want to turn it over to a clip from, from Pastor Mark's sermon. This was a few weeks back. He was preaching on Esther chapter 3. So we're just going to take a 30-second clip and watch it together. What if the government made laws that violate our biblical values of right and wrong? What if our government one day would redefine marriage and sexuality? What if on a more mundane level, the government would say churches can no longer meet, close them all down? Liquor stores and cannabis stores are essential services, but the church is not essential. What if something like that happened? When is civil disobedience justified? So that's the can of worms that Pastor Mark opened for us. <laughs> And we're here to, to clean up the mess. <laughs> I want to read a couple of passages from Scripture that Mark actually refers to in his sermon mm -hmm. uh, because they're, they're pretty foundational for our understanding of the relationship between the church and the government. So I'm going to start in Romans 13, uh, verses 1 to 5. is what it says. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So there, Paul is... Paul is pretty clear that, that we as Christians ought to be in subjection to the governing authorities. And, and he says the reason why is because God puts them there. Hmm. And so in some sense, our obedience to the governing authorities uh, is, is related to our obedience to God hmm. because he put them there. But to flip on the other side of the, of the conversation, Mark also referenced Acts chapter 5, verse 29. A little bit of context, the apostles, Peter and the apostles have been preaching the gospel and the council and the high priest bring them before them and say, you're not allowed to preach this gospel anymore. Stop it. Mm. Uh, but they go out and they carry on and they preach it again. And so in, in Acts 5.29, uh, 
Peter responds to their accusation that you stopped, or, or sorry, you, you disobeyed us and you preached the gospel. And he says this in Acts, Acts 5, 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So there, Peter himself is clear hmm. that our final obedience is to God over men. Hmm. How does that interact with our submission to governing authorities? That's the question. And that's a big question. Hmm. So um, the first question we got from Debbie, I want to break it up into two pieces. Hmm. And so the first piece, I, uh, let's start with, with the very the basis of the conversation. When is it appropriate? When is it actually right hmm. for a Christian to disobey the government? And so I want to toss it to you guys. What do you think? First thoughts, when is it okay for a Christian to disobey hmm. the government? Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, my, my first take, is that okay if I speak you, first, Jesse? Yes, you have permission. I already did. You have permission, Thank you. Yeah. I don't know where I read it, but uh, it's, a, it's a little mantra that I think has been helpful that, that we... You're we, a big mantra we, guy. <laughs> I'm a big mantra guy. We live as, as good citizens until acting as a good citizen would make us a bad Christian. Mm -hmm. So good. until we, we obey everywhere and all the places that we can, unless to obey the government would be to disobey God. Hmm. So and Acts so, 5 is a good example. So Acts 5 is a great right. example of had they continued in their obedience to the governing authorities at the time, yeah. they would have actually been disobedient to God. And so they decided in that instance to actually not, not listen to the, the authorities that were over them at that time, the Sanhedrin, which would have had probably some governmental um, authority kind of given to them by the, by the Roman occupation. But If it's making us a bad Christian, that is the only time where we should, as Christians, disobey our governing authorities. That would be my argument. Mm -hmm. I, I think to, to make it looser than that, I think just gets us in the realm of uh, subjectivity and mm. into yeah. my likes and my preferences. Would you, do you disagree? Do you ask the question because you disagree or do you just want well, me to say Well, I don't like agreeing I, with you, you, but yes, I think you're right. <laughs> you want me to say that I think I'm right? That's yes. what you yeah. want me to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take a stand, you wuss. Come on. <laughs> so if we were to make a, a, a line, like we're saying, when it makes you a bad Christian, um, could, could we define that line as sin? Could, could we just say sure. it that yep. way? When the government mandates, when, when what the government legislates actually calls me to sin, yeah. I will disobey. Yes. It's at the line of sin. And yep. I'd like to nuance it a little bit in just yep. saying if it's causing you to sin, but also if it's keeping you from doing what Christ has commanded. Right. So That's if good. there was a law that didn't allow me to love my neighbor or something, I, I, like not loving my neighbor to the full extent, maybe is mm. sin, maybe it's not, I don't know, we can debate that. Mm. But, but there are things we've commanded to do, like preach the gospel. Right. Um, and not mm -hmm. preaching the gospel in every instance. Again, is that sin? Is it not sin? But if we're not allowed to do it, then, totally. then totally. so I, I just maybe we'd nuance that a little so bit. Let me, but let me spice that piece up a little bit in, our, in, in the current context that we're in right now. Make yep. it spicy. Make That's it right. spicy. A little, little bit of cumin. A little Frank's red hot. <laughs> a little Frank's red hot. Okay, good. So in our current situation, uh, a lot of people will, will turn to Hebrews chapter 10, yeah. right? Do not forsake meeting together, yeah. as some are in the habit of doing. Yeah. So that's a, that's a clear verse, yeah. Don't forsake meeting together. And yet now we're, we're in, a, in a time when the government has called us to not meet together. And now there's some, so there's some provision for it to happen in groups of 50. Yeah. Um, but, but before that, it was, it was pretty much all shut down. Were we in dis disobedience to the word of God when we stopped gathering? Because it says don't forsake meeting, but the government mm. said we need to stop for a while. In British Columbia, I don't ever think we got to the point where they 
made gatherings of any number illegal. Mm. Um, I think other states and provinces may have gone there, yeah. but I think in BC in particular, they kind of weaved a line there. They, they mm. walked a tightrope in that <laughs> we all thought that's what they said, Yeah. but we, it wasn't actually, I don't think, a mandate at that time. Right. And so, but even if it had been, yeah. I think um, there, there are uh, Christians who have made the case that, look, in order for the, the love of neighbor, yeah. this short-term uh, decision needs to be made, not only because it's government mandated, mm. but also because it's the most loving thing we could do for the other, for the neighbor. Right. In the early days of the pandemic, that yeah. was the exact rationale. I remember sitting in the room with you guys right. and others when we were making this decision. Yeah. And the, the mandate, uh, the, the decision behind closing our services yeah. was not because the government told us to, Actually, when we made the decision was before there was any announcements right. about restrictions yeah. in everyday life. But the thing that motivated us was love of neighbor. Yeah. That if we had a gathering of thousands, and if this virus was a part of that gathering, we would have been a part of a huge cluster hmm. that would have exponentially increased the cases in BC, yeah. or could have right. yeah. exponentially increased. Yeah. And so I think in that case, uh, I also think in the Hebrews passage, it's not necessarily trying to address, you know, mass gatherings of churches. Exactly. I think the heart behind the passage yeah. is is the spurring on of one another. It's, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. the edifying yeah. the other. It's the helping 100%. each other persevere. And so yeah. to, to read that just purely flatly in every circumstance, yeah. I, don't, I don't think is actually the best reading of the passage. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's a really good point because you look at the passage and, and what, he's, what he's trying to get at don't, do not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Yeah. He's actually speaking to a discipleship problem that there were some who had the ability to gather yeah. and were forsaking it for other reasons. Yeah. And, and because they were forsaking it, they were devaluing what was the good gathering and fellowship yeah. of Christians. Yeah. He wasn't thinking mass gatherings. We, we have a um, mm. tendency of reading our own context into the Bible. Totally. When we think yeah. gathering, we think Sunday morning, yeah. thousand people showing up for a service. But that's not what he was saying. He, the church gathering was in homes. It was a few people. It was yeah. tens, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think we've settled, though, on, on when it's okay to disobey. Yeah. And it's when the government would be telling us you have to sin. That's right. Or when we're somehow um, restricted from doing what Christ has commanded us to do. I also yeah. think in particular, maybe another like nuance to that is that if the government was to single out Christians amongst other mm. categories mm. of people. Mm -hmm. So for example, if the 50 person gathering limit was only placed on Christians, but other faiths or other businesses or other organizations were able to gather, then mm -hmm. in my mind, that's a special kind of persecution. And that's actually how I but understand But that kind of happened, right? So Costco could have more than 50 people in their parking lot and such. And yet as a church, we still can't. So that, that, that kind of is happening. Is that a good example right. of that or no? Well, that's where I think Debbie, or was it, it was Mark, I think, who brought yeah, up that I'm, essential, non-essential distinction, right? And yeah. so an arbitrary distinction, yeah. right, in, in sure. some senses. But, um, but yeah, I, I think in the context of, even if we were to play that out, the, the kind of gathering that takes place in a Costco yeah. in terms of you know just walking past people maybe once, maybe twice in yeah. your entire visit once yeah. you're actually in the store hmm. um, is very different than sitting in a room full of, of other people for 60 to 75 minutes. Yeah. So the environment was different. And it, the issue with the 50 people 
has has almost always been communicated as a gathering kind of setting, right? right? Yeah, so totally. restaurants, movie yeah. theaters, yeah. these kinds of places yeah. where yeah. where it's not just me walking by someone; it's actually us sitting for a while, yeah. like this kind of setup. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah. So so I think we're pretty settled. What you're saying, I yeah. think we're pretty settled on saying when when the government mandates us to sin, we will not. We yes. will disobey our government. Yeah. But let me let me bring us to the second question, which is a little more gray. So both Mark and Debbie yeah. have brought up the, the example of abortion. Mm. What do we do in a situation where the government is not mandating sin, but is permitting sin? So the government hasn't come to mm -hmm. me and said, Joshua, you need to abort your children. Mm -hmm. it, it, but it has come to me and said, Joshua, if you want to, you can. It hasn't come to me and said, Joshua, you need to enter a gay marriage. Mm. But they've said, if you want to, you can. So what is a Christian response to the government making something permissible which we know to be sinful, but they haven't mandated it upon us. How do we respond to that? I think first I would say is the way Mark um, emphasized it was when do we disobey? And I think we need to be careful. There's a distinction between disagreeing and disobeying. Mm -hmm. Like we, we live in a, a different society than um, when, when scripture was written, for example, when Romans 13 was, was written, and a society is a democratic one. And so we are allowed and encouraged to disagree, and mm -hmm. we exercise that in various ways, whether it's petitioning or, or, or protesting or voting or, or all these different things. And so as Christians, it's, the question isn't whether or not we agree with the law, but right. now we need to go to the question, okay, so when we disagree, what do we do? And, yeah. and I think that's, we need to, yeah, I don't know, I think that's an important yeah. distinction first. Yeah, I know, but that yeah. is really good. And to hop on your comment there about uh, we're living in a democratic society. Yeah. When you, you look at the New Testament and the idea of, of the, the Christian church vying for political reform is kind of alien. It doesn't, it doesn't show up anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because they had a mission. Their mission was, pre was preaching the gospel, but, but they lived within a society that was governed by an emperor, emperor, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so that their ability for political reform was near, near nothing. They, yeah. they, what would they do? Go talk to the emperor and say, hey, can you change this? I don't really like it. <laughs> yeah. um, but now we live this in a society. Would not that would well. not that would not go well. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't yeah. come back. Yeah. Um, now we live in a democratic society. Our yeah. voice ha holds weight. Yeah. And so as the Christian church, uh, we live in a very different world than the New Testament uh, world. And so uh, us speaking up can have an impact yeah. where, and actually should have an impact where back yeah. then it didn't. Yeah. And I would even add on to that, that individual Christians as their um, ability and as their opportunity uh, to do so should engage in those processes in, yeah. in greater and lesser degrees. So for example, if, if there's a, a Christian who feels a call to serve in, in public service as a as an MLA as a as a member of parliament yeah. um that christian should pursue that mm. that good vocation where they can live as a christ follower in that place and they should in that place live out the ethics and the the behaviors and the beliefs of of Jesus yeah and so and we as citizens should engage in our in our acts of um, the things available to us, voting and petitions, that kind of stuff, yeah. with the Christian mindset. So I think living in this kind of a context politically is an advantage to not just Christians, but all peoples of faith, mm -hmm. where we can actually be a part of the authority structure right. yeah. uh, when, we're, when we're being voted in. And so I actually think Romans 13 is a good encouragement, not only for us as citizens to obey unless it asks unless we're being forced to sin, yeah. but also to be an encouragement for people who feel that instinctual call to participate in yeah. things like be, being a city councilor, being a, mm -hmm. an MLA, being yeah. a member of parliament, because 
we need people in those places to help our land be more just and right. more yeah. righteous and all that kind of good stuff that, that we're desperate for. Mm. Yeah. We are saying that we should and probably are called to disagree really well with, with our governing authorities because yeah. especially the democratic society right. that we live in, that is an opportunity that is maybe a common grace given to the church to say, hey, we can speak into society, have our voice heard, we need to disagree well. Disagreeing well, though, in a democratic mm. society is not disobedience. So we're not, we're not there yet. We haven't crossed mm -hmm. that line yet. Mm -hmm. so, but, so when should we cross that line, I think, is, is the next question. And I think of an example, uh, the civil rights movement. So Martin Luther King yeah. stepped into disobedience. He was imprisoned several times um, throughout, throughout that time. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us here are going to argue, unless good luck nope. with that, saying that that was in, in uh, he should not have done that or, or whatever, right? So what are some examples? What are some, I don't know, maybe principles or, or texts that would drive us to know when we would hmm. disobey when our disagreeing is, is simply not enough? Right. Um, so my first take would be that I think what the civil rights movement essentially does is engaging in the laws of the land, which are, are forcing actions against what uh, God's laws would, hmm. would permit okay. or what God's laws would, uh, what, what God would have us do, yeah. how yeah. he would have us yeah. act. And so it, it's an act of both disagreement and disobedience. Yeah. Right. And so I think the, the nuance to that in our context is that there are things like like the abortion conversation, where mm -hmm. that's not opposed upon people. Yeah. It's, it's an unjust, mm. ungodly thing that we should try to work towards seeing it not be a part of our society. But mm. that, that is a different kind of thing mm. than a structure right. being opposed on a people which is ungodly. Right. Yeah. Um, and being man a mandated experience. So you're, you're saying that... that Essentially, permitting um, permitting people to sin is, is uh, the civil rights movement is not a good example, in a sense, of uh, th they're they're not apples to apples in, I, in a sense. I don't think they are. Well, yeah. Well, but let me. But if I were push on that, yeah. um, you're talking about something being Im imposed on somebody that yes. we know is is unjust and, and unlawful. Well, the the reason that we oppose abortion is because we're convinced that the person in that womb is a person. Totally and so agree. there's the being imposed on them that their rights are being taken away as a human being. Yes. So I do actually feel like there's some apples to apples in that scenario. Yeah. The only, all I'm arguing is that I don't actually think to fight against mm. abortion laws is civil disobedience. Oh, I get you. Yes. I'm saying that we are trying to engage in the civil structures to bring about more godliness in our laws. Yes. Totally. Yeah. And that's where I think the, the comparison is different. Yeah. 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 And that's, I think that's, there's an important note to make here about, about laws and, and the goodness of laws. Mm. Like we, as a Christian church, we see laws in a nation rightfully and, and hopefully as an extension of God's very character. They're an extension of his desire for society, for human flourishing. Mm. And so when, when we see laws go astray, and they actually, they start to impose or legislate things that are not for human flourishing, that are against God's very character, and therefore um, will do harm to our human neighbors, or the neighbors mm -hmm. we love, mm -hmm. then that is, that's why this is an important thing. That, that's why it's not just that I want justice for, for my Christian brothers. I want justice for, for all of humanity because God's love, yeah. um, God's laws are his extension of his character and will bring human flourishing. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so they're actually, I think, we need to be able to say there is an importance to the Christian voice speaking up against these kind of lawless things over the exact things that we're yeah. talking about. 
But will, so here, here's a maybe a provocative question. Will the Christianization of our legislation system actually lead to human flourishing? So is there flourishing apart from Christ is what I'm asking. Right. I think, I think what the structures would give us is the best shot of mitigating evils yes. and uh, promoting goods. But if we believe that through legislative acts, we yeah. are actually in any sense bringing about the eschaton, bringing about the reign and rule of yes, Christ right. forever yeah, and ever yeah, eternal. Yeah. And yeah. Every, like it, we, we can't forget that the issue isn't primarily right. that people don't follow laws. Yeah. Yeah. People don't follow laws because they are inherently sinful. Yeah. Mm. And so only when all things are made new yeah. will the perfect government finally yeah. exist. Mm. Will the perfect societal flourishing yes. exist? And that's why mm. I think it's so crucial for our understanding of eternity and of yes. heaven to not be a disembodiment from the things we know to be true, but the perfection of the things we know to be true. Yeah. So it's the perfection of our governing systems, mm. of, yeah. of our sports, of our arts, yeah. rather than a removal of it and a disembodiment experience. Mm. So it's, mm -hmm. it, it's, a, it's that tension right. of trying to work towards things that will look more like that right. yeah. while knowing yes. we won't ever be able to fully finally achieve it because that's ultimately God's work. Right? Yes. Right. And there exists a danger, I think, and if we put our hope in, in legislative change or, or um, trying to legislate morality, if we put our hope in that, we got to sit back and recognize how every law made by a human is imperfect. Mm. And so even, okay, the system of capitalism, that's God's, wait a minute, that's like fuels yeah. greed. Yeah. What about no-fault divorce? Like, right. you got to start marching about that now. Like, where do we stop with all right. of these laws in our society that would be contrary to what, what God has, right. has called his, his people to? And so there just is a limit to, yeah. to the way. And so yeah. I, I hope that that would never lead us to, to diminish our need to bring about reform through yeah. the gospel of Jesus Christ right. yeah. and, and, th and through his church. So maybe like a little illustration here, Mike. Yeah. You guys can let me know if you think this works. Um, so let's imagine that I go into the ER with a broken leg and I'm Feel in free, there brother. and I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah. And uh, there's a nurse there who gives me some pain medicine to help alleviate my temporary pain. Yeah. But I know that I actually need my broken leg to be reset yeah. and put in a cast for it to actually heal. Yeah. So we know that all of the things that we do before the return of Christ yeah. are bringing pain medication yeah. to the broken leg. But we also know that the, the leg actually needs to be fixed. Yeah. And so we wouldn't say, you know what's not a noble endeavor? Yeah. Giving the person in the ER room the pain medication. We would say, yeah. no, you totally should. Yeah. Like you should use yeah. the mm -hmm. best pain medication mm -hmm. you can and you should give it to them swiftly. Yeah. But we also know yeah. that that pain medication is going to wear off. Yeah. And if the leg isn't actually reset, it's not going to get better. Yeah. And so that might help us think yes. through in a societal sense, our laws and the things we strive for are, yeah. are the band-aids and the pain medications that are good things to give to a society, but the yeah. society won't actually be fundamentally restructured mm -hmm. to be perfected until Christ returns. Yeah. Mm. So noble, yes. good, pursue it, yeah. but it's not actually going to deliver right. in a final sense what's needed in right. the situation. So to, so to come back to our question, we, what we're saying, I think, across the board is, is yes, there is, a, there is room and we should, as Christians, speak up at, uh, against things that legislate sinful activity, yeah. but knowing, knowing that it's not going to be the final end. There, there is a 
there is a deeper wound mm -hmm. that needs to be healed, and yeah. that the only way that wound will be healed is through the gospel of Christ, well, yeah. Christ himself, right? Yeah, I, I think it's a both and for right. sure. Yeah. But I also would weight our Christian sense of duty mm. stronger mm. in the gospel proclamation yes. end. Yeah, yeah. Whereas absolutely. Whereas I, I would say that it is good for Christians vocationally to be involved in things that will bring societal reform. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. But yeah. I think that all Christians are called to the disciple-making activity yeah. of helping the gospel go forth, regardless yeah. of if they're involved in, if they're a member of parliament yeah. or they're a, a, a chef at Wendy's. Yeah. Are they called chefs? Wendy's? <laughs> yeah, I just, I was ah, it was big. Thing. That's big. They yeah. make the menu at the head Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> regardless of what your vocation yeah. is, you, you have a calling as a Christian yeah. to help address the deeper wound. Yeah. 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 So there's, in some way, we actually should think that there is a triage yep. to Christian behavior. Yep. There are things, there are activities of the Christian life that are that are more important, that are more critical to being a Christian than other activities. Yeah, so sure. pro proclamation of the gospel being one. Yeah. Okay. I, there's probably still muddy water there that we could we no, could no, wander no, we through. But I want to bring it to a we cleared it right up. I want to bring it to a third question, you and this is kind of maybe one. bring a short question here. Dave sent us an email as well, um, and so I want to read it. Lexi already pulled it up. Thank you, Lexi. Um, and let me read this. It puts a different nuance to, um, mm. to this question. So here, here's what he writes. Hello, scripture clearly says that we must obey those in authority. That's the Romans 13 we've already mm -hmm. read. However, should it be the church's responsibility to push back on what appears to be government overreach during this pandemic? In other words, how should we speak out while at the same time honoring those in authority? That's a great question. It's a great question. So it nuances it even further. So now we're past what the government has has allowed has permitted us to sin but not mandating now it's when the government makes makes a rule or puts mm. in a, a, a an order that reaches into our freedom as christians a little bit for instance uh gathering right mm. this is where we are right now it's our freedom as you know as canadians but also as christians is to be able to gather and worship as people of faith mm -hmm. uh, but the government has reached into that a little bit because of a global pandemic and said Actually, let's put that on hold. We've kind of touched this a little bit in our first first discussion. Yeah. But but let's let's reach into that nuance a smidgen. Where is it appropriate for the church to push back in the mm. disagreement to push back on government orders that reach into our freedoms a little bit? My first take, uh, which I think this is going to be the part of the conversation where where we both get the most head nodding and also the most like fist shaking <laughs> yeah. at how we process this issue. That's right. Uh, like I I think that. Um, Again, I, I think we would have to look at are Christians being treated unfairly, or mm. are and mm -hmm. by that what what I mean is are we being singled out and being asked to do things that other groups aren't being asked to do? Um, are they treating us differently in that sense? And that that's where I actually I have a hard time thinking that. Again, we could disagree right. with the government's take on on how 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 they've handled the situation from the beginning. Mm. You could be the kind of person who thinks that from the very beginning of the pandemic until the pandemic is fully over, mm. that the government made the wrong call every single time. Uh, but I, I still don't think you could say that they treated us, at least at this point of when we're recording, that they've treated us any different than anyone else. Mm. So you could disagree with how the government's gone about it, but I just, I don't know what we would hold on to to fight back. Right. Because right. at this point, the government has never actually prohibited us from gathering. So let me give something to hold on to so we can fight back. Okay. okay. So let's say that because of these restrictions, because of this overreach, quote unquote, um, there has 
that has caused uh, a significant mental health crisis mm -hmm. in, in, in our society. Yeah. Um, that, that maybe suicide rates are higher, there's domestic violence going on. Mm -hmm. As Christians even, th this is causing a lot of people to fall away from, from their faith. So, mm -hmm. so that, that's, this idea of, of having a faith that perseveres is important. Mm -hmm. One of the gifts, the graces, the Hebrews passage is, is gathering and worshiping together. So, so what if this overreach is, is causing mental health, is causing um, more domestic violence to happen and, and marriages to break down, and, and is causing people uh, to, to lose their faith and, and lose their, their, mm. their trust in God? Mm. At, at some point, are those not noble mm. enough to say, you know what, this overreach needs to stop, right. and we as a church right. need to gather for the sake of the perseverance of the saints and, and so on and so forth? Mm -hmm. Is that, is that a, a good reason to, to disobey? Hmm. That adds something to it. I, but, but if I were to... I think, I think we have to admit that there's a lot of factors. We have to admit that there's more than simply, in this particular case, there's more than simply um, obedience to the government and disagreeing with the government. There's, there, is, there are reasons why we could look and say, okay, there's, there's some validity to the actions of the government. And yes. there, are, there are lots of people who agree with that, who think the government has done the right thing. But there are other people who think, well, there's not. It's not valid. Um, and if, so if we were to peel away, say if we went to the nth degree mm. where, where the government... In, in the middle of, of no pandemic, say nothing was actually happening, but the government yeah. said, there's a pandemic, you, yeah. should all need, you all need to stop gathering. Yeah. And we look and say, there's absolutely no evidence. Mm. And you're saying we need to stop gathering. There's, there's no, you're not bringing anything scientific to the table. Uh, then I think we would probably be sitting in this chair probably saying, we should, we should still gather. Yeah. There's, there's no evidence. Yeah. The problem is there is evidence. Yeah. And so there's factors that make this a little more difficult that even make it difficult in the yeah. nuance of saying that there, there is a mental health crisis. Yeah. There yeah. are these things happening. Yeah. And yet there is science and scientific data that back up the, the reasons that the government is making. Yeah. Even if we disagree with the science, it's there, it exists. So there's a lot of factors. And this is where, even from our leaders, our elders, this is where, this is where wisdom in the Christian is so critical because yeah. there will yeah. always be gray areas where yeah. something like this happens and it's not clear. It's not a clear cut, obey, disobey, gather, don't gather. It's there's a little bit of muddy water yeah. and you need to wander through it a little bit. Let me, yeah. let me um, put a label on you for a second. Okay? Label Ready? me. Here we go. Here label we go. me. Hard. Um, I've I, already I been hear you saying there needs to be an extremely compelling uh, reason, set of data in order for us to take that step of civil disobedience. So you're saying even if there's a kind of a mental health crisis going on, even if, if people are, are losing their mm -hmm. faith, if there is a sliver of, 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 of wisdom and discernment coming from the civil authorities of, of why they did the thing they did, we have the posture of submitting to that versus finding different evidences to the contrary. Is it, would, you, would you be... I, I would say that... that that's a posture in a I sense. I think so. Yeah. I think the general posture of the church should be that when, when we come to a text like Romans 13 or yeah. 1 Peter 2, he says, honor the government, honor the authorities. Even there, he says, honor the emperor. Mm. And the emperor yeah. was certainly not doing kind things to Christians when he wrote that. Fact. Right? So, so to say that the posture of the church needs to begin with, I will honor the government. I will submit to the government. But, but if I am given evidence that makes it clear to me that, that in doing so, or they, they are reaching in and they are destroying my freedom, yeah. or, the, or I'm being disobedient to God, I, that's yeah. when I would cross yeah. the line. I do think it's helpful for us to realize that in our context, in British Columbia, our, our government isn't actually telling us we can't gather. Our right. government is actually saying you can gather, just make sure you're doing it safely. Right. And so in our context for, for Northview, we, we want to, because we know that mental health is an issue, because we know that people need outlets, people need to gather to be encouraged in the faith. 
we, we want to encourage you to try to find ways that are still safe with all the COVID measures in place to, to gather with other believers. So we're going to try to do that in groups of 50 at our, at our Downs Road campus and our Mission campus that you guys can register for if you want to be a part of that. Hmm. We're also just going to try to encourage mm-hmm. all of us as believers who go to Northview to have over a family or two families or some friends of yours, if whoever might be around you, some neighbors, just engage in doing the Christian life with hmm. others. Yeah. Have the Sunday morning service activity as, as something you do with others. And so this is a, something I think we can do while obeying the government yeah. and also faithfully living out what Christ calls us to do. We can do it. It's just for the next foreseeable future, it's just going to look different than what it did a few months ago. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Sure. This is a tough, a tough uh, topic to find full-blown consensus <laughs> that's, that's on. Right. And um, yeah, I, I think there's been Christians throughout the ages that uh, have fallen on different sides of the spectrum in terms yeah. of how we engage. But to close our conversation, I thought I'd read from, from the book of, of 1 Peter. Here's what, what the author writes. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Against your soul. Live such good lives mm-hmm. among the pagans that, they, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. goes on to say, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of mm. foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Mm. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Good Company. Hopefully we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to hear your comments or thoughts on today's episode or any suggestions and ideas that you'd like us to cover in our future episodes. You can send those in to ingoodcompany at northview.org. See you next week.